Today we'll start with our video watch. Just re-released on video, it's the movie Gremlins, though I really can't imagine why. Now I know some people found this movie fun, but me, I'd rather spend two hours having root canal work done. What's fun about a movie full of ugly, slimy, mean-spirited, gloppy little monsters who run amok and attack innocent people? Our moviegoers so desperate for entertainment, that this is trash and has no fun. Whoa, wait a minute! It's just kidding! Oh, a ten! It's a ten! Welcome to Trilogy in Theory. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And we are continuing our trilogy this month with the sequel, Gremlins 2. What are your thoughts on Gremlins 1 before we get to the sequel? Because I, I have kind of a... I, I have to play the contrarian here. I'm not a huge fan of the first Gremlins. I, I think the first half is is enjoyable. It sets It sets things up. Uh, nicely, but then, and, and even you know what? I don't mind the rules uh, uh, for for the Mogwai and everything, as silly as they are. Whatever they've established the rules, they play by them. But then, when when the the zany hijinks occur, I I, I I'm out. I, I don't have a good time. What about you? Uh, well, God, I I hate to uh, go full, I guess, contrarian for. <laughs> Our featured episode on uh, Gremlins. Considering last week, uh, we both uh, were not too enthusiastic about Friday the Thirteenth of the series. Um, you a little bit more like a sort of a domestic partner uh, that's had this troubled relationship with the series, wearing the T-shirt, having consumed the films and the documentary, but still <laughs> questioning their merit to even <laughs> exist. Uh, for Gremlins. I I think I watched it as a kid. And it's one of those things that I thought I was supposed to like more than I did, even as a child. I'm like, wait, is this is this meant for me or is this meant for like my parents? Like, because I thought this was a movie meant for me. And so I have the distinct memory of Gremlins Two coming out still as a child. I mean, like, ah, now that's the stuff. That's <laughs> that's what I wanted for my Gremlins movie was more of a cartoon like if you are going to be a cartoon then make it so that the humor is aimed at an eight-year-old you know <laughs> that's that's what i was looking for um but i have seen gremlins as an adult i believe i did a, a podcast once um on it uh, for like some sort of christmas theme and i liked it but i i am by no means some sort of diehard fan and never have i broken it out for just the annual Christmas watching. I know it's like one of those uh, dark Christmas uh, selections, but uh, not for me. So I'm coming into this much like last week, although I have a little bit more experience and that I'd seen both of the uh, 
<laughs> the Gremlin cinematic universe. Um, but no, I would not say I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, I'm not a hater. Like, I don't want to open our show again saying I hate this. Now, listen to me, uh, <laughs> you know, insult it for a half hour. I just don't have much experience with it other than I watched them when I was a kid and never rewatched them. Is that damning? Is it damning that you watch them as a child and then you don't rewatch it? Because I feel like that's like a kid is like an easy sell. Like you just rewatch something over and over that you've seen and even moderately enjoyed. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think that's the way these films, if they want to stay uh, nostalgic and if they want to stay in a positive light, you kind of have to keep them at arm's length. Because Space Jam was a film I watched over and over as a kid because it was great. I loved the Looney Tunes and I loved Michael Jordan. I was like, this is perfect. This is made for me. I watched this as an adult and I could not believe the hours I wasted on Space Jam as a child. Like I could have been reading a book. Uh, <laughs> do you blame LeBron James for that? Is that the reason you went back to revisit it was the, uh, no! I guess the second entry this into that universe? <laughs> I was in college hanging out with my friends like, hey, we had Space Jam. I was like, put it on. And it was horrible. <laughs> um, I'm I'm understanding more about you <laughs> the longer we, we broadcast. <laughs> you, you will seek to extinguish joy where, where you can when it's totally unwarranted. Poor Space Jam. Like, yes, yeah, just... Leave it in the past. It was it was fine there. Yeah. And with Gremlins, again, I came to it late. Much like Ghostbusters and a bunch of these 80s films, I came to it very late as an adult. So maybe the cynic in me was already set in. And so I like parts of Gremlins. Well, whatever. You like it? Great. I, I don't bemoan you for it. Gremlins 2. You sound so unimpressed with the Gremlins <laughs> fandom. I'm not going to dictate what you can and cannot enjoy, though I will judge you for it. <laughs> well, Joe Dante, he, he's, a, he's a student, a, a disciple of Spielberg, right? The Amblin uh, uh, entertainment uh, crop of uh, directors like Zemeckis. And I think he's talented, but everything I've seen from him, I'm very, very underwhelmed. I haven't seen Matinee, and I've been told that that's the one for the people mm. who don't like Joe Dante. Like that, you'll really like that one. That's funny you say that. I just did a podcast over on Sober Cinema for uh, for Matinee because uh, we were looking at some of the films of 1993. I believe that's on the projecting film feed, and I wouldn't say I'm a Joe Dante guy. I like I know his shtick, I guess. But I, where he doesn't have like the, I guess the one classic, at least to me, film, I don't really have like a, a sort of favorite son there. But I really dug Matinee. I, I had said on that recording that if I had seen Matinee when it came out, when I was like the appropriate age for it, a kid, uh, I probably would have dug it as much as something like The Sandlot, which I watched over and over as a kid because I liked, you know, baseball and kids that are trying to, you know, make out with a lifeguard, that sort of thing. But matinee would have really hit the sweet spot for me because it's for children who are, like, infatuated with movies. So I wish I had seen it as a child, but as an adult, I really did enjoy it. Sidebar about Sandlot. I haven't seen, like, the trilogy because, I mean, why? I don't know, why bother? But I saw Sandlot as an adult. I didn't know there was a trilogy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw Sandlot as an adult, not as a kid. I adore that movie. Mm. It's it's absolutely 
You know? oh, okay, that's good. The, to the hear. stakes in that movie is like, oh my god, there's this dog, and and he's the villain, and you know, like that's it. That's absolutely what childhood's all about, and so I absolutely love that movie. It it, it felt like summer encapsulated into you know ninety minutes. If it was ninety minutes, I don't know. We're good. I've. I've not pulled a Space Jam like you. I've not actually watched The Sandlot as an adult for fear that it would ruin all those days when I just play the tape over and over again. No, I, I dug it. Speaking of things that I dug, or the opposite of, let's talk about Gremlins 2. It starts <laughs> off, like like you mentioned the cartoon and, and the, the, the Looney Tunes effect here. Boy, it starts off, I had to double check. I was like, did I, am I watching the right thing? It starts off with a little Bugs Bunny intro. You got punked. <laughs> Joe Dante punked you right. right at the top. I, I haven't felt this uh, uh, worried since I put in my Blu-ray for Fight Club and the Never Been Kissed menu uh, popped in. I was like, Love what's that. happening? And uh, the joke was on me. I actually used that on our uh, Patreon, by the way. I used that Never Been Kissed menu. as That's just like a little insider thing like for the uh, the little tier. Uh, and it's from Fight Club. Um, I've only gotten a few comments on that and i refuse to answer them <laughs> <laughs> with any sort of straightforward reasoning <laughs> if you'll figure it out one if day if you get it you get it so gremlins 2 mm-hmm. i boy so the you we shifted settings uh you've got billy in new york uh, uh if you haven't caught on to the theme yet uh hint hint <laughs> and uh you've got the the small town setting traded in for this kind of claustrophobic uh, a futuristic building essentially it's like die hard except with gremlins i liked it and it, it very much had the same experience that i did with uh gremlins one where i was like oh okay they're setting things up and it's kind of interesting but again it devolves into this nonsense and, and it leans hard into it to the point where it was just one gag after another, and I get it. I guess that's the point, but and I, I I wasn't impressed. I mean, and to the point where like Le- Leonard Malton has a cameo where he's talking about Gremlins one, and then Gremlins attack him, stuff like I'm like I I don't know what to do with all of this. It's it's just one SNL sketch after another. Uh, Hulk Hogan argues with the Mogwai up in the the projection booth, and then talks to the audience like. There's a lot of wink, wink, nudge, nudge stuff here, but I feel like instead of the wink, wink, a nudge, nudge, it's like, here's a hammer, and they're like slapping me over the head with it. Do you get it? I was like, yeah, man. Yeah, Mr. Dante, I got it. What about you? How how are you? How did you react to all this zaniness? (laughs) I'm a little surprised that it's coming from you because you're a fan of the... The Scream requel, and you know, next week we'll get to uh, Scream Six uh, proper. You know, has has a, a, the numbering system back in place, but you know that franchise is all about. I, I don't even know if you call it wink, wink. It's just we're going to talk about what's happening to us and what will happen to us based on uh, the structure of slasher films. Um, did I mind Leonard Malton dying? No, <laughs> I like anything where Leonard Malton dies. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, because I know I, he is still alive, right? I can say that as long as he's alive. If he's actually dead, that was terrible. But I don't <laughs> think he's alive. Although <laughs> well, no, I need to check, <laughs> he's still alive. 
All right, good. Good for him. See, I don't actually wish him death, just, you know, in, in a movie. I thought you would dig the, uh, I guess, um, would you call it an attack on the Gremlins fandom? They have an entire sequence where Billy's trying to explain the rules of the Gremlins, like how little cute Mogwai uh, births these, like, disgusting, uh, evil, vile, perverted creatures. And they start questioning him about, like, well, what if you travel in different time zones and this? How does he, yes. you know, after midnight, what does that mean? Like, in different, like, I thought you would dig that, that stuff. Uh, yes. Th- there are moments like that that are like, oh, okay, that's clever. But th- that's clever. It's not clever when the f- entire first movie, like a physical, like, I think it was a VHS. Well, it had to be. It couldn't have been a DVD. It, like, you know, a copy that, um, that Malton is talking. I, that to me is, is, overboard and then the characters talking directly to the audience and by the character that i guess i really make really mean hulk hogan although like why why couldn't it have been roddy piper like he could have it would have been another like movie reference if, if it, it was <laughs> i knew your wrestling fandom would come into this <laughs> at some point it's because for us kids who were not into wrestling all we knew was Hulk Hogan. That was it. I was like, oh yeah, he's a wrestler, right? Because I, I just never, I never watched the stuff. Which, but they live had already come out. He, he could have been, been the same character from that movie, and, and it would have been another like in joke. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. That's the interesting thing about Joe Dante is that most of his gags seem to be aimed at the type of humor the younger audience would appreciate. But the references would be things that they probably don't get, nor have they been exposed to. And we've talked about, you know, Quentin Tarantino. I've applauded him before in that I've enjoyed his films, um, but I don't necessarily have the same taste as him and definitely do not have the, you know, film vocabulary or the history with the stuff he's citing. So he, he puts it, you know, and it's, it's some sort of milkshake that he concocts that mm-hmm. I enjoy, but I don't really know where he's getting uh the particular ingredients yeah i mean christopher lee i guess is like one but i think that's like done well because if you're a kid you don't know christopher lee's background but he's just an opposing scary dude he's just you know he's a scary voice and that yes those eyes and everything um i think stuff like that works i i think the leonard malton thing it was okay with me i think there have been other i'm trying to think there have certainly been other uh, films where, like, you know, critics have been attacked. Um, I watched an early 80s Paul Newman movie with, I think, Sally Field, where it's like, it's basically uh, about how the press are incompetent. <laughs> because of their incompetence, they'll get you killed. And it was solely, like, the, the made, or I guess I should say uh, Paul Newman's sole interest in it was because, like, the New York Post had written something uh, insulting to his character as a sort of like a tabloid paper. And so he's like, get me a script where journalists stink. (laughs) The whole point (laughs) is they stink. I think, (laughs) I think stuff like, you know, Leonard Malton, you know, being attacked by uh, the creatures that he attacked in the press. I think it's all, all, you know, all uh, fun and games here. I don't know if I find it as amusing now that the film ends, spoiler alert, the film ends on, uh, one of the gremlins um, forcing themselves sexually on a human man, and <laughs> that's 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 how we end it. <laughs> that's, uh, and and that's it. That kind of 
<laughs> that goes right into uh, the the entire the the genetic serum drinking thing. Uh, there's a bunch of gags where all these uh, different Mogwai, the evil Mogwai, I guess, uh, drink and they they mutate. And the special effects, Rick Baker, who's a legend, like great great effects, like really really well done stuff here, uh, makeup wise and everything from him. But yeah, it just each gag just gets increasingly like harder for me to stomach to the point where like uh, boy this there's not much of a story here it really is i mean oh here we go here we go there's another thing that i did like another bright spot is uh the the female protagonist having a president's day traumatic story that uh, very similar to how she had the (laughs) christmas one so i like i like that that's a Mm. you know wink wink nudge nudge i can get behind because it's making fun of the first film super you know uh but and there are these bright spots so i i appreciate that but outside of that yeah i you know kept looking at my watch just like all right how much more of this do we have because it's not let me just jump in here I just want to reiterate to our listeners, Webb picked every movie in this month's trilogy. <laughs> every movie. <laughs> Which just goes to show that I need to guide him to things that he doesn't think he will like, but that he will come to appreciate. Whereas if you leave him to his own devices, it's just self-harm is all this. I think so. I think so. <laughs> and then that's the thing. Like I have no one to blame but myself each time. At least if you make me one, <laughs> at least I can blame Pacific. It's Heights. a good trilogy idea. It's a great trilogy idea. It is. <laughs> yeah. Ultimately, this one didn't work for me like at all. Uh, and and I was. I guess I shouldn't be surprised because the first one really didn't. This one doesn't have the same aspirations as the first one, right? It's kind of like. Have you seen Texas Chainsaw Two? No. <laughs> okay, no. so Hooper, but you've seen the first one. <laughs> yes. Okay, so the first one is, you know, legendary. Like, it's my favorite horror movie of all time, I think. Uh, I, I saw it in theaters, um, like, a, when the, the 4K restoration came out, and I had an absolute blast. It was a it, relentless. The, the, the last, like, act, half hour or so of that movie is just relentless. A lot of screaming and a lot of noise and, and uh, the a wonderful experience. And so the second movie, Texas Chainsaw 2, Hooper can't go back and do that again. And so he ends up making a weird horror parody of the first one with a lot of oddly dark comedic stuff. And so there was, he's like, I can't do that again. So I'm going to go in a completely different direction. And I, to some extent, Gremlins 2 does that as well. And there is a cult following for this one, even though it didn't do all that well in the box office. It found its audience. Uh, so I, hey, if, if you dug it, that's, that's super, but boy, like I didn't like the first one, uh, and good on Dante for being like, you know what, I'm going to do something different. And he did. And I still didn't like it. Like, I feel, I feel bad. I, I feel, I'm more disappointed (laughs) in all of this and not, not disappointed in the film, but just Mm. disappointed in the circumstances. Is this one that you, uh, go back and revisit? Like, do you like it enough to the no. point where... Okay. This will be the final time I've watched <laughs> this movie. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I feel bad. Uh, very, very slapsticky, very... Tough. And that's the thing. I do wonder if... Is it... Who is it aimed for? Is it aimed for audiences? Is it aimed for fans of the first one? Is it aimed for kids, adults? Like, 
I don't know if there is a direction to any of this. There is. There is something to respect about the idea that the director of uh, a successful film uh, says, I don't know if you can make a sequel of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Four or five years pass. And he's like, all right, I guess I can do that. But he, you know, Dante did demand like total control really uh, to, to make, you know, I mean, this is stuff that just pleases him and his sensibilities. It's, Certainly, like, you know, if you look at something like uh, Sam Raimi or Tim Burton that have very defined styles from this sort of 80s and 90s time period, um, this is a Joe Dante uh, joint. So I can respect that, but I'm guessing, because I was about to ask you, you apparently knew about a Sandlot trilogy that I was unaware <laughs> of. I'm assuming the next two were straight to video. Um, is there, is there was there no more gremlins did they do did they was there an animated series did, uh, what happened to this ip I, i'm i'm actually surprised that this has not been rebooted in some capacity at this point if not just for mogwai you hit the nail right on the head buddy your your finger is on the, the the pulse of what's popular gremlins secrets of the mogwai is an upcoming american computer animated fantasy comedy television series which is scheduled for release on hbo max Boom. HBO Max. Oh, shit. They may sell those rights off to Tubi or something <laughs> the way they're going. <laughs> they can't afford to keep the old episodes of Westworld on. <laughs> it may never even make it to screen. Who knows? But there you have it. You're dead on. Yeah. You know, in this world we live in where every single franchise needs to make some kind of a comeback, Gremlins was right for the picking. And because it's an animated series uh, it feels like it's going to be aimed at children so uh, i do wonder if kids today can watch gremlins one and two and and uh have <laughs> have interest in more mogwai here's a weird because uh, i was looking into this and this is from a 2017 interview so i don't know if this is what the hbo max series stems from or if this is just a an old discard script, but Chris Columbus, I'm assuming mm-hmm. of like Home Alone mm-hmm. fame <laughs> and the film adaptation of Rent, of course, <laughs> you know, it's, that's also, I'm sure, and is known for. Uh, here's his quote on his uh, twisted and dark script. Explores the idea that has been on fans' minds for a long time. Quote, if all the gremlins come from getting Gizmo wet and feeding his mogwai offspring after midnight... Should Gizmo be eliminated? <laughs> is, that, is, is that what the fans have been asking? Is a hunt for for Gizmo? That I feel like I, that's something I would watch. I say that, and then you know, halfway through, See, they'll. So we found it. We just needed the auteur Chris Columbus to give Webb the Gremlins movie he's always secretly desired. <laughs> But didn't he? He wrote the first one. He didn't give me it the first time around. I don't know why he would give it to me the third time. He's been waiting decades to overthrow that tyrannical Joe Dante. (laughs) To finally get his hands on Kill Gizmo. (laughs) He saw the second one was like, the fuck? The only other Joe Dante film, I will say, that I did watch when it came out was, uh, what is it, Small Soldiers? And I remember enjoying it, uh, but even at that age, I was like, this is really made to sell toys. 
and I have I have no idea what it's about, but uh, I didn't know it was John. But again, that one also has a cult following. Uh, it seems like people like his work. A, a very niche audience. The 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 Dante uh, fans. I saw actually saw his last movie. Um, I didn't realize it was the last thing he did. It was from 2014 called uh, Burying the X with uh, Anton Yelchin, uh, R.I.P., oh. and uh, Alexandria Daddario, and it's a zombie ugh. comedy. You know, I mean, it's – don't say – Alexander yeah. Daddario, I've never been more attracted to a lady and, like, more <laughs> – and then – at the same time, like, repulsed because she's so untalented. <laughs> like, everything I see her in, I... I didn't even hear the second half of your sentence. Because I'm just... I have a, just a mental image of her, and I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> she's probably the only thing I remember about being the ex. <laughs> the fact that, like, White Lotus was a triumph is, is, is honestly a mini miracle. Because as soon as I saw her name attached to it, I was like, oh, no. But she did a, a, a really good job in that. Here is uh, Joe Dante just making movies for himself. Uh, if memory serves, Anton Yelchin works at like a like novelty gift shop for like horror aficionados or something of that that nature. Yeah, I mean, he's just like a, a movie dork, hmm. um, and somehow he has <laughs> an ex girlfriend who turns into a zombie who's obsessed with him. And also Alexandra Daddario who stumbles into the gift shop and wants to have sex with him. That's his plot. And <laughs> is this Joe Dante trying to <laughs> like relive his youth as it clearly did not happen. <laughs> I guess kill gizmo, <laughs> kill gizmo. <laughs> <laughs> 